Hello, this is Kyle Stahl with Stahl Agronomy, and back again for another edition of the Rogue Agronomist. Flying solo still again, still working on a couple guys to, to help me host and guest host on this podcast, but for right now it's going to be me, and uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about yield maps um, and, and yield data and kind of some of the theories and uh, some of the things I believe about what yield data really is and, and what yield data can mean to you and um, how valuable uh, yield data actually is for your operation and how we can use that uh, moving forward to make decisions and what uh, what exactly yield data really means to you and and what um, how important it actually is and maybe some of that might come into question at some points but the one thing and I guess the reason why I actually really settled on this topic was um, there was a tweet the other day that um, I don't remember who retweeted it or who liked it uh, but it popped up on my on my timeline on Twitter and uh, it's pretty much right up my alley. I've always been kind of a, wouldn't say a skeptic of yield maps, um, but I've been a guy that, that really thinks that yield data is not um, 100% accurate. Um, yield data is not a, a perfect thing. Um, there's a tweet by a guy named Michael Dunn, D-U-N-N. Michael Dunn CCA is his Twitter handle. Um, and his, his Twitter tweet or basically was yield maps are not and uh, it basically goes on about classification of yield limiting factors uh, what the field actually produce uh, he said the same as yield potential um, he said yield maps are if calibrated documentation of what went into the hopper and where um, and that's basically right um, you know yield maps are, are not going to give you you know exactly what happened in your field um, you know I put down here what is yield data and the yield data really is it's what came off a of field and where it's it's not um it's not perfect you know there's always that the lag delay at the start um there's some places where you start and stop it, it's never going to be 100 percent perfect um you know and it's really imperfect technology uh, you know we we've got a lot of places with getting away from mass flow sensors and we're getting to uh, you know the pressure sensors that we used um and now we're getting to some of uh kind of a flow past past a membrane deal um the 2020 yield monitors do seem to do a little bit better job um we're still dealing with i think ag leaders new one out uh, the in commands are running basically with the same pressure plate technology we've had for years since uh, ag leader came out with a yield monitor back in the early or mid 90s um you know and we think they're really accurate but um you know test weight changes uh even when you calibrate yeah, a few pounds difference in test weight, a couple, two, three pounds make a huge difference, um, especially when we get to moisture. It's all about how that corn kernel hits that plate, you know. So if test weight changes and, you know, let's say you calibrate it at 56-pound test weight and you go to 54-pound test weight, you know, if you've got 200 bushel of 56-pound test weight, you're going to have, you know, it's going to take a little bit more to pressure that plate, uh, forty-four or 54-pound bushel corn, so when your test weight goes down, your monitor could go down um, more than what it should. Uh, if your test weight goes up, your yield monitor could go up, you know, incorrectly compa comparatively to what it actually should be reading. So there, there's a lot of things that yield monitors or yield data can't do. You know, it, it's not going to be perfect. Um, the other thing I put on here is look at the pretty colors. You know, we always really like to look at maps. Um, I've had a lot of people over the years where. We go to a farm and we're like, oh, you guys have yield data. And, oh, yeah, we got tons of yield data. 
and they don't have yield data it's just yield maps um you know there's books and you know we can go back and look at yield data but we we have no analysis really other than here's the map um yeah that's that's the one thing i put on here in my notes section is you know who has your data you own it and i would just keep it for yourself you know i i don't really like the fact that you know i've got two different retailers that own our yield data or have our yield data sitting on computers at least i hope they do um you know and they've got it and i want it and they'll give it to me i mean we own it um but you know at the same time they've got it and it's just sitting in a computer what happens if it you know their hard drive crashes or their computer crashes you know who backs that up who takes care of the data there's there's been a couple different places I've worked and one of them has like a central location on a server um, and that's backed up somewhere else. Um, that's really the way you should be going. I, I really, if you have yield data stored at somebody's place and they delete your yield card or do anything before you get it back, uh, I would make sure they have it backed up in a couple of different places. Don't, don't just assume that your yield data is always going to be there. Um, you know, even when I was in charge of storing yield data for a few customers uh, back in the day, uh, we had it backed up on a mobile hard drive. Uh, I had it backed up on my computer, which is also backed up on their servers at, at the place I worked at. Um, not necessarily everybody's going to keep that data that way. Um, there's going to be a few people that just put it on the computer. Five years down the road, computer crashes, they get a new computer, it, it's gone forever. So, you know, yield data is really important and valuable to you. Um, you know, I, I get done and just saying it's imperfect and it's not great, but you know, that's something that you guys need to handle and keep a hold of, um, you know, not just looking at the pretty colors on a map, uh, that data should be analyzed. Um, you know, what, uh, what I think yield data is not is a map of really what happened. Um, you know, everybody will say, wow, this part of the field yielded poorly. Um, you know, and that part of the field was great. You know, maybe this is this, and maybe this is why that happened. I, I'm a big proponent of getting out in the field and looking. Um, I spend a lot of time telling people that, you know, we, we always talk about August and, you know, late July, August, and early September, um, you know, there's really not a lot going on, right? We, we just got done spraying fungicides if we did any. Um, nitrogen applications are done. Weed controls, you know, an afterthought, um, you know, really what it is is at that time of the year is the time to really be looking so we've already got our year our ears formed they're there we can see if they're doing anything like tip back um, we can check and see if the rows started you know collapsing down as the the plant progressed through its early growing periods in the season you know if we have 20 rows at the bottom and 16 at the top uh, you can kind of figure out just about when ish you know not 100 percent, but you can just about figure out when something happened in that field you know if they start zippering up a little bit at the end we can go back and look um there's still evidence at that point so that's what i always tell guys you know there's there's clues out here now when we go in with the combine uh you know we've done all this stuff in early summer and midsummer we come in with a combine in fall we didn't look at it between then and now and now we're going to try to make decisions on what happened when we go in in august and september we still have you know we're not doing a post-mortem we're doing an actual deal where we can still see what's going on you know it'd be like um, saying you have a disease and you know 
instead of treating the disease, you basically wait until someone passes away and then going back in and saying, all right, well, this is what, you know, this is the reason they passed away. If you could go back in at, um, at any point during that disease and understand when it happened and what happened and why, you know, and still see the clues, um, it'd be something to, you know, be able to use for future generations or future years to understand what actually happened in that field, you know? So to me, the yield data is not exactly what happened. Um, it'll tell you, you know, basically what the plant produced, uh, but it won't tell you why. And that's why it's really important to get out in fields, um, you know, really kind of we call it late in the season, uh, but even like mid-season and try to understand what's going on out there. Um, you know, there's a lot of evidence of what's going on. You know, you can still check roots. You can still look at leaves. You can still take some tissue samples. You can, you can look at ears and make some analysis on that. We can look at plant stands. We can do all kinds of things we can't do once the, the crop is off the field. So that's why it's not exactly what happened in the field. Um, the other thing I put is it's not a map of exactly how the field will yield under different management. So, you know, we did everything we could, uh, or we did everything we plan on doing in that field. You know, we always talk about, um, there's some examples out there where you have a spot in the field. Um, and let's say we made a planning rate recommendation based off of the yield data. Um, so there's a spot in the field we're making um, we're making decisions on fertilizer based off of our yield maps we're making decisions on how high of a planting population we're going to make and there's a spot where it's not yielding well so we put a lower population on it we put lower rates of fertilizer on it because removal is not that great and what we really actually should have been doing is increasing both uh, maybe it wasn't being managed correctly maybe we should be managing it higher but a yield map isn't going to tell you that. Uh, walking a field is actually going to tell you that. So it's again, I mean, it's when you should be spending time walking fields is when we can still see what's going on. You know, maybe 10 feet away from that spot, we treated the spot totally differently. Same soil type, same everything. But 10 feet away, we were, you know, for years treating it totally differently. And now, you know, when we actually look, we see that that spot, maybe if we managed it the same way we did the spot directly adjacent to it, maybe it's going to be a better yielding spot. Um, and I mean, it's, it's really going to just show you just, you know, it's going to give you some good and bad areas, but it's not going to give you the good and bad areas sometimes. You know, like I said, maybe we're managing spots the way we shouldn't be managing them. Um, so it's, it's not going to show you if it's a good spot. You know, I mean, it's the same thing with soil maps. Um, I've had where I've walked in a field and a soil map said it should be this soil type. And, you know, when I look at the soil type and actually understand what it wants or what it is, um, our depth to a, um, a restrictive layer or, you know, even bedrock would be, uh, I think on that soil type was like four or five feet. When I actually dug down, um, about a foot down I hit limestone so basically I went from thinking I had five foot of a uh, peat soil and we couldn't understand why it wasn't yielding well to digging down and finding out that a foot down we're hitting basically a solid limestone layer so it's the same thing you know it's it's not perfect there the soil maps we have are 
or made long, long time ago. They didn't dig every inch of the field, and I mean it's it's a um, it's imperfect. Um, and you know, I mean, so we talk about all this stuff, and you know, what the heck should we do with yield data? Um, I always really scrutinize it. Um, you know, we we have these higher yielding parts of the field, we have these lower yielding parts of the field. You know, and I'm. I, I pulled up a, uh, a map of field we did on, on Friday. Um, it was actually one of our best fields. And in a, a very, very wet season, you think, or you would think, that the hills would be our best yielding spot. Um, and actually, in this field, it was in the inverse. Uh, I think the hills were about 50 bushel off the pace of the rest of the field. Um, and the rest of the field is down in the low ground. It's next to a ditch that actually flooded several times this year and i i can remember walking this cornfield um oh, it was about shoulder high corn and at least about a foot above my waist um there was mud on the plants so we know this part of the field was underwater for at least a day or so um and that happened earlier in the season and i know it happened again in august when we had another eight or nine inch rain um, we had this just huge rainfalls in this field so you would think that those spots uh, would not yield as well um, and in, in fact the hills were the worst part of this field and if you look back at how we've managed these hills in this field it's it's a heavy clay um, you know I don't think we really farm anything in uh, Watertown and Zoni area that that isn't a heavy clay but um, heavy clay hills and we've been no-tilling them for a few years just because we um, we really don't like picking the huge rock piles that come up when we uh, we work these and just continuous no-till um, but the last three four falls have been pretty wet uh, in springs I think dating back to 2014 springs been really wet uh, our falls dating back to 2016 have been really wet. Um, so basically, we've compacted the living heck out of these hills, and that's probably why they're not yielding well. Um, you know, but when we look at the yield data, we would think that it would be the inverse. But you know, when you scrutinize it and kind of really think about what happens, um, you know, I know next season I'm going to be digging some roots, and we're going to check these hills. Maybe we got to go in there and try to fix something. Um, you know, maybe it's just something we're missing. Uh, but that's what you should be doing with yield data. You should really look at that. You know, with, with us, we really didn't think about that when we combined it. We were just talking about how good the yield was. We weren't really thinking why was the hill yielding lower than the rest of the field. Um, and the other thing I talk about, too, is um, I want to take my yield data and compare it to field notes you or your agronomist make while you're walking these fields late in the season um you know or even early in the season i i've made some notes about um there's some spots this spring where we had some lower population and a lot of that lower population was on our may uh, about may 8th 9th uh planted corn and we had uh we planted corn really i mean that was probably the best planting conditions of the year um, but when we planted that, I think it was within 24 hours, we had a heavy rainfall and we had lows in the 30, like very low thirties, high twenties for a couple of days. And we lost a lot of population. We had a lot of replants. Um, we had some lower yielding spots, a lot of lower yielding spots in those areas. Um, 
So, you know, I mean, you look back at my notes and, you know, I, we had another field that, um, I had taken some drone pictures of, uh, we walked it, couldn't walk all the way back. I mean, we're talking a half mile from the road in the corn and, um, I took drone pictures of it from probably the middle of August until the end of September. And I don't know if I saw a picture of us flying over this field where the, the water had left the corn. Um, and it yielded really poor. And I knew it was going to happen. I knew when we were going to get there, what was going to happen. Um, when we combined it, you know, I keep getting told we don't understand why it's yielding so low. And it's just like, I got proof. It's got water sitting in it. Well, this part of the field is, you know, not as well drained as that part. Yeah, well, you know, on a hill or a side hill where water can still at least run down it. Yeah, it's going to yield better than where we had water standing. You know, I mean, you just, there's a lot of things when we look at fields, you know, we make a lot of these notes during the season. When we get to fall, we kind of forget about what happened during the season a little bit. And we try to jump to conclusions and we don't understand, you know, we, I, I do the same thing. You know, you sit in the tractor or the combine cab, you watch yield maps, you get really upset. You forget about what's going on. Um, that's why I take a lot of pictures. I mean, I really, from the first day we start doing anything in a field until the combines put away for the year, we take a lot of pictures. Um, and I can literally give you, or at least most of my people that I, I walk fields for, Anytime there's anything going on in a field, I take a picture. I can go back and tell you the date uh, using, you know, the pictures on my phone and tell you the date that something happened, show you what happened, show you what we were seeing. Uh, then we can go back and look at the weather directly before. We can look at the weather after. You know, it, taking a lot of pictures with smartphones has just really changed how I do agronomy. You know, I, I spend a lot of time going through and I keep every picture I take. And we go back, I can go back to 2012 and tell you what was going on on a specific date. I can tell you what day it rained in 2012 after the drought. You know, I, I have all that stuff. And it, it's kind of invaluable to me to be able to go back several years and be able to kind of tell you what happened in spots of a field. Um, you know, you can actually turn locations on uh, and go back and look at stuff. It, it's pretty cool. Um, so it's one thing I do, you know. Um and then the other thing I, what we should do with yield data, um, you know, I went through this and I like to use at least five years of good data. Um, if I'm doing any kind of planning maps, um, I like to take out outliers. Uh, I mean, 2012 for us was actually a halfway decent year. Uh, you go 20 miles east and south of here and they're little, little different soil types. We've got more gravel bottoms, um, they're better drained. You know, we're basically comparing a uh, Lamartine soil type to a Pellicil loam. And for those guys, it was one of the worst years they've ever had. For us, it was one of the, I wouldn't say it's the best year, um, but it definitely wasn't a bad year. Um, especially with the market prices, we made out really well that year. Uh, and, you know, for us, do I keep 2012 in because, you know, it was still a halfway decent year but are we ever going to have a year like 2012 again? Um, you know, and for me, I had some data back to 2008, uh, and some back to 2009 and 08 for us was a flood year. Uh, 09 was the year where we had a very late planting. We had a cold summer and we had an early frost. So we had high moisture corn. 
you know, we had hybrids that were never adapted for that. So, you know, do I keep that year in there? Um, probably not. Uh, 2012, I think I might keep in. We have been, um, unless it's a complete outlier. But, and I always, and I put on here. So we're talking about outliers. We're talking about using at least five years of good data. Um, but I only use um, some planning variable rate recommendations for certain hybrids. Um, I've learned this over several years of leaving check strips. So that's the biggest thing I think you should do on any fields you try different hybrids out on, um, any fields you're doing side-by-sides on. If you're doing variable rate planning, leave a strip. Um, and run it perp- or perpendicular to the rows uh, across the length of the field and run it at a, a standard population for what you would normally run. And it's awesome to take something like um, something that shows your planning population mapping wise and walk out and say, all right, well, I'm staying in the 32,000 block of this hybrid. I walk out, here's 28,000. So compare 28 to 32, then walk back into your 32 and go down to where it's 36 and compare the two. Um, I did that one year. We had two different hybrids. Uh, one was a fixed ear, one was what we call a semi-flex. The semi-flex was the same yield, no matter what our population was in this field. The f- somewhat fixed ear, we'll call it a fixed ear hybrid, was exactly the population um, difference was. Basically, if you add 4,000 years, we're going to add 28 bushel. I mean, it was basically to the line, 7 bushel per thousand. So some hybrids you can you can really get away with variable rate planning and some hybrids you're throwing your money out the window by doing variable rate planning so that's why i say you know when you do variable rate planning make sure it's only the right hybrids that are going to use it Um, if you're doing variable rate planning on a flexier hybrid really understand that hybrid some flexier hybrids will respond to planning population changes but a lot of them won't so you really have to understand how hybrids work and you know really work with somebody who understands that and you know kind of rely on some of the seed companies to give you some of that data I mean you know they they don't plan every plot at the same population um, they have guys plant at different pops different places different soil types rely on them to kind of give you some of that data you know we're, we're flipping hybrids really quick you don't have three years with a hybrid to understand what it's going to do and then all of a sudden it's gone so start understanding some of that stuff um and and like i said before you know i i always talk about you know yield data is invaluable but what i use it for is not necessarily making huge management decisions um you know we we talk about some of our farms and i'll I'll talk about that in a future episode and how we we manage how whether we keep a farm we let a farm go or you know we we understand where our profitability is on farms um, but I use a lot of the yield maps to look at places I need to look at the next year. So when we get done with the harvest, there's a spot that didn't yield well. We'll go back next season and we'll spend that time to understand why the heck that spot wasn't yielding well. Um, you know, we won't necessarily write it off as, you know, a lost cause. There, there's some, um, there's some stuff that's talking about, you know, if, you need to segment your fields into zones of where you make the most money, where you make a little bit of money, where you break even, and where you lose money, um, and just cut those losing acres. So I, I 
get it. I get the understanding behind it. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with it, but at the same time, I would want to understand where those little yielding spots are and why. You know, maybe it's a drainage issue. Maybe we need to run a single tile line to a spot in the field, put a standpipe in, and we'll totally fix that part of the field. So, you know, maybe it's an easy fix. Maybe it's something like, you know, somebody built a subdivision and there's nowhere you're going to put the water and that's the only place it's going to go. So that we have in one field and yeah, that spots, I mean, one out of three years, we get a good crop off of it. The other two years, we either have it drowned out or it's half a crop. So, you know, yeah, that part of the field, we probably should just plant into some grass or something, but it's landlocked. There's no way to get to it. So yeah, so we're kind of stuck. But, you know, it's it's a lot of this stuff. You know, yield data should really be the beginning of a discussion and an understanding. It's not exactly the be-all, end-all of what happened. You know, it's, it's not going to tell you everything. Uh, it's the same thing with satellite imagery. Satellite imagery, you know, basically planning recommendations off of satellite imagery is just weird. Um, you know, you, you don't know what's going on in the soil uh, using... You know, a year's worth of satellite imagery is not going to tell you 100% what's going on in your field. You know, I I always talk about um, the first time I heard about climate field view. Um, it wasn't exactly field view, it would just say climate. Um, back when Monsanto bought out precision planning and precision planning brought in climate uh, to talk to us at um, at the uh, their winter meeting. And I remember sitting in the, the auditorium uh, near Tremont, and uh, this guy from climate gets up and says, you can farm your fields for 30 years and I can go into our models and tell you more about your fields and understand your fields better than you can farming them for 30 years. That's how you should appear, how you should feel about some of these satellite imagery guys. You know, they're, they're going to tell you they know more about your fields. They know what's going on based on these satellite imagers. Well, what they can't do is put boots on the ground dig and understand why you know it maybe you have a compaction issue in a field and yeah it's showing up on their their satellite imagery but you know satellite imagery will show you that stuff i get it but i would never use that data to come up with planning recommendations uh, i've seen satellite imagery being used for variable rate fertilizer recommendations um I mean, I mean, it's really, really dangerous. You could spend a lot of money and not get a lot of return. I mean, you could hit a home run, um, but I think it's kind of like a it's a major risk versus reward situation. You know, you're taking a lot of risk. You're spending a lot of money on stuff that isn't exactly exact science. You know, we're we're dealing with yield maps that probably have an accuracy within a couple of feet, three feet, uh, versus satellite imagery where you could be five to 15 meters. Sometimes it's 30 meters data. So figure, you know, 15 to 45 feet, maybe even a hundred feet. So I'd be really cautious about people that are trying to use, um, use satellite imagery to give, help you make decisions. Uh, I think satellite imagery is a good thing to understand what's going on in a field, um, but it will never replace boots in the ground. And it's the same thing when the first time I heard the climate guys, he about got booed off the stage because you and I both know that walking your fields and working your fields for years and spending a lot of time 
you know that there is an old barn site in this corner of the field. Uh, that's where the old lane used to be. Um, that's where a pasture used to be 25, 30 years ago. You know that stuff, but a satellite imagery is never going to tell you that. It might show you that, hey, there's a little yellow spot in this corner of the field, but it'll never tell you that there was a building site there. So use your yield data, understand where it is, you know, keep your yield data for yourself. Um, you know, if you have somebody help process it for you, that's great, but I would still keep a copy of your data. Um, you know, just realize it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Uh, we're still working on it. Uh, maybe 20 years from now, even five years now, it could be awesome and perfect, but until it pulls test weight samples and tells you exactly what your test weight is and your moisture, you know, all the time, um, you know, I know it still pulls a sample like every 10 seconds, but you know, if it, it can't correct for some of that stuff, it's not going to be perfect. Um, you know, and it doesn't correct for the guy who didn't clean off his pressure plate because there was mud still on it. But you know, I mean, it's just those little things happen. Um, you know, and I, we had that happen in one of our bean fields this year, but regardless, um, you know, just understand what your yield data is, understand what it's not and, you know, keep it for yourself, use it for your own purposes. Um, really understand what it can do for you and what it can't do. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, use it to help you make management decisions. Um, but when you make those management decisions, make them based on good knowledge, make it based on, I knew that there was an issue. We went and looked at it. Yeah. You know, get boots on the ground and that's, that's going to be the key to your success is always going to be boots on the ground, walking fields and understanding what's going on. And, you know, you're going to learn a lot about stuff. Uh, you're going to ask a lot of questions and that's what it's all about. I think understanding and problem solving is really what's made my job most enjoyable. So stay tuned for future episodes and I'll talk to you next time.